You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Matt Banker joined U of L as Associate Athletic Director in October of 2013. In his current role, Banker serves as sport administrator for men's soccer and women's rowing and the athletic department's liaison to university housing. Banker also supports the athletic department's NCAA compliance and rules education initiatives, athletic strategic planning, legal affairs, and risk management. Prior to joining UofL, he served as the Ohio Valley Conference Assistant Commissioner from January 2010 to October 2013 at the OVC. Banker oversaw the OVC's compliance, academics, NLI, governance, and other conference operations. Banker served as the Assistant Dean for Student Affairs at the Indiana University of Law in Indianapolis from 2008 to 2009. Prior to working at the IU School of Law, Banker worked at the NCAA from 2002 to 2008, first as the Associate Director of Membership Services and later at the NCAA Eligibility Center as the Associate Director of Academic Review. Banker received his Bachelor of Arts degree in Journalism from the University of St. Thomas, Minnesota in 1997. Banker has taught sports law and compliance issues at Belmont University School of Law and U of L Sport Administration Graduate School. And what I'm not reading on this bio is probably where I first met Matt Banker, and that was in a Missouri football locker room because we were teammates back in the early 90s. So welcome to the show, Matt (laughs) Banker. Thank you, Mr. Ivy. That's a wonderful introduction, and and thanks for having me. Well deserved. I'm sure uh, you worked really hard for that. <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of years, right? Yeah, it's it's been it's been great though, and and working in college athletics and higher education has been really rewarding over the years. So very thankful for that. But you are right. I think it wasn't over Shakespeare's Pizza in Columbia, Missouri, but it was near that in terms of when our paths crossed many years ago. Absolutely. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about who Matt Banker is? Sure. I am a a Wisconsinite, a native uh, cheesehead and uh, go Packers. Um, (laughs) And and so I come from a a big Irish Catholic family uh, up in Wisconsin and and uh, found myself uh, professionally kind of in the uh, college athletics realm one way or another, as well as higher education and you know, one thing I've done on the side is teach classes. I, I really find that rewarding to have that engagement with students. Um, so that's been pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I I'm, uh, do that for a living, but I'm a big music fan. I love to travel and uh, um, also an uncle du jour. I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews, so that keeps me pretty occupied over the holidays. That's awesome. Being an uncle is the best. 
Um, I say that from experience of being an auntie. So um, question for you, though, I'm just going to dive right into it because like Pat read in your bio, you have experience, excuse me, at the NCAA um, and in college athletics, like in a specific college, but also I believe you said a, a conference administrative or, you know, a conference role as well. Um, what, how do you kind of see the interplay or what are the challenges? I'll put it that way of the interplay between, uh, specific colleges, compliance department, the conference, you know, administration, and then the NCAA, how do they, how do the three manage to coexist? (laughs) That's a great question. I, I, you know, that it, it's, it's one of those things where they're almost like children, uh, your, your <laughs> career path as our kids and you kind of see them and like them for different reasons. They, they bring out different things in, in a broader perspective, but you know, it, it's kind of like the old, uh, uh, you know, uh, is the porridge too warm, too cold or just right. And, and all of them are just right, depending on kind of what you're looking for. Um, but specifically about compliance, you know, you have different roles, certainly at the national office, uh, NCAA, they're very much looking at, you know, national dialogue, national issues, um, and helping facilitate a a pretty complex structure when you look at how all three divisions, D1, D2, and D3 are set up um, with committees and and board of governors and presidential leadership and and faculty involvement, and then the athletic side um, with athletic directors, student athletes, and, and others. So it's really interesting. It's complex. So um, as you kind of uh, unravel that and kind of see how that process works nationally, that that's an important thing um, that informs us uh, working at the institutional level to really have a gauge of how the, the national scope works. Because if, for example, working at University of Louisville to make sure that, you know, our voice is heard and, and how the process works and even having some of our, our people, whether it's a student athlete on a national SAC committee, a student athlete advisory committee, or a coach on a rules committee, those kind of things, there's ability to engage. And so I've, I've been fortunate to kind of literally live and, and work in those three environments in, in conference office as well, um, where you're kind of balancing both sides of it. You, you have a little bit more of a, a pool of institutions where you kind of know some of the local uh, opportunities and challenges and dynamics about what sports you sponsor what's the demographic of the institution, what's the enrollment size, all those sorts of things. So the conference office also plays an interesting role from a advocacy and, you know, but also doing things like putting on conference championships like the NCAA does at a national level. So, um, you know, I've been fortunate both from a compliance and just more generally administrative uh, perspective to, to have different experiences along the way. And, and they've all helped me be, be better at the next place. So I feel like I can, bring those types of things to UofL um, over the last several years since I joined back in 2013. Matt, I can definitely speak from experience. You definitely bring passion to the workplace and what you do. And as a former athlete, uh, speaking to another former athlete, what I have written a book is called The Table. And it's what is short for what are you leaving on the table is written to student athletes, current and former. And it's just basically helping them to um, realize the opportunities that they have while they are a student athlete. So it's important to me to have people like you on the show beyond sets and reps to talk so we can show athletes, hey, here's here are opportunities that you may want to consider, you may like 
here's it's a challenging being a compliance officer is a challenging profession. And as a former athlete, how do you see the transition from your experience? Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a former student athlete, you know, the first engagement in that whole process was walking on to Mizzou's football team in 1993. And I probably was the last guy on the team. Literally, I, I, I you and I laugh about that to this day. But, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, and that was a learning moment for me personally, because I had gotten into football my senior year of high school and did really well with it and then started getting walk on opportunities. And so you kind of jump from kind of the fast lane of the, your last year of high school and that athletic experience and then into college and things changed pretty quickly when, you know, and I knew that going into it, I wasn't going to get any playing time out of the gates or anything like that, but uh, I knew it was a unique opportunity to at least start at Mizzou. And, and, and then also, which in, informs me today, you know, obviously you mentioned I ended up graduating from St. Thomas up in the Twin Cities. So I, I ultimately transferred um, from Mizzou to St. Thomas and, and still keep Mizzou near and dear to my heart. But Ultimately, I, I thought from an athletic and academic opportunity, the best fit for me was to, to go to St. Thomas at that point. So, um, you know, going through that process from transferring and also understanding whether you're a starter, which I was at St. Thomas, or whether you were the you know backup to the backup, um, which I was at Mizzou, um, you know, those kind of experiences helped me as an administrator from a student athlete well-being standpoint, and also just from the opportunities that are out there to to, to really engage and learn, not just from coaches, but all the other support services, especially now in, you know, 2019, 2020 uh, academic year and athletic year, that there's so much available, especially at the division one level um, in terms of resources, career networking, uh, sports nutrition. I know some areas that you, you work with closely, Pat, and um, you know, those types of things um, I would just share with student athletes is take advantage of those because then you realize how much is at your fingertips as a student athlete, even beyond your sport experience, your coaching, which is a lot, that's, that's a huge piece to it. Um, but there's some other neat things and people that you can engage with, including faculty, your teachers. Those are people you can come back to as you kind of explore career and, and those types of transitions beyond um, your athletic experience. So um, personally, it's been very informative, the student athlete experience to how I operate and try to add value to what we do. Um, and that includes, you know, calling from my own personal experience back many years ago. And you had mentioned from your personal experience, how big of a jump it was from high school to college football. And I mean, we've, you're our first compliance person on here. So I've got to ask you about the laws that are kind of being changed or committees are being formed to determine if they should be changed um, in regards to the getting paid for their, I can't remember what all it is, but their likeness, essentially. They're, you know, they're themselves, um, but not necessarily getting paid to play from the universities. Um, do you think that will magnify the, uh, the, the, uh, the extremes of the change. I don't want to say the bigness of the change, but, you know, do you think that it will contribute even more so or magnify the difference between high school and college athletics? And, and do you see it making it a more difficult transition or kind of to be determined? Good question, Mackenzie. I, I, I think it's, it, there's a lot of to be determined element to this and, um, the name image likeness, the NIL, you know, we're, we're certainly in a new day college athletics wise. It's, 
it's going through a very transformational time period. You know, I step back and talk to both student athletes, coaches, everybody, and, and they're, it, it's really an interesting time to be involved in athletics uh, nationally. And the name image likeness thing does present some unique pieces. And, and obviously the NCAA had come out recently and said, you know, we've got to revisit our current standards, which are more restrictive. And they're trying, it seems, you know, we're going to see some concepts hopefully in the next several months um, for all three divisions to really vote on. But to kind of say what still um, makes education and the student athlete experience a primal component to this overall enterprise we call college sports. Uh, but also trying to live in the 21st century. You know, a lot of our rules were written before social media ever was in existence. Um, things have changed. So brand awareness and those types of things and Twitter followers and Instagram followers, all those sorts of things, you know, weren't contemplated 15, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but now they're they're a huge piece of the puzzle. And, and so with that, you know, trying to find a, a better dynamic, um, and, and mobility for student athletes that, that seems reasonable. And, and I'm for that to, to review and, and see where we can come up with probably more flexible, more reasonable standards. Um, but there's a lot of unknowns and I, I really couldn't stress that enough are, you know, what are some un, unintended consequences to creating significant flexibility and, and what does that look like? Um, you know, when you start bringing in the role of, of a brand manager, a third party intermediary who are trying to get, those type of, you know, endorsement or other type of name image likeness uses for student athletes. And how does that factor into the fact we're still saying they're, you know, going to class, they're a full-time student, they've got athletic commitments and maybe community service, some other things uh, uh, that we incorporate into the student athlete experience. So it's a great topic and, and certainly something we've, we've discussed internally. And, and again, there's more probably unknowns than knowns at this time, but it is the, the right time to revisit that particular rule um, and, and think about how students in general, not just student athletes, but college students in general, you know, have an entrepreneurial spirit, whether you're starting a, you know, a t-shirt company or you're a musician or, or, or anything else. And um, it, it's interesting. We're, we've got to modernize uh, more and more uh, our rule book. And this is certainly one of those areas that the, as, as a, both an association, all the schools, but also, uh, other stakeholders, including, um, you know, politicians and others who are paying attention to this issue. So everyone's sort of circling and trying to come up with a solution. Um, and I think hopefully we've got some leadership across the country uh, for all three divisions to come up with some concepts that seem palatable, that keep the student athletes health and well-being and opportunities in mind as well. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. Um, so with that, I think it's great that you brought the politicians and everything into it, um, the other stakeholders, in addition to the colleges, the athletes, um, 
and the NCAA, but do you foresee the NIL being something that is the beginning of the end of kind of what the NCAA has tried to do in terms of distributing fairness? Or do you think that it will result in kind of evening the playing field out? Because I mean, let's be real, the, you know, power five, it's power five and and the top power five schools are, you know, they're there for a reason and they've got, you know, all the, you know, all the stuff. And then the schools that don't, don't. And it's really hard to compare the fair, you know, the fairness of all that. But so do you think this road, this NIL will further divide it or do you think it'll be a way to bring it all back together? That, that is a, uh, an interesting question because it, it, it kind of brings into the whole recruiting environment and how do we keep that as competitive, not competitive, but as fair of a uh, recruiting landscape as we can. And if there's an ability to kind of help promote or cross promote student athletes, name image likeness in a way. And, and again, we don't know what the guardrails will be in terms of any, you know, evolving name image likeness rules, but, as you mentioned, you know, power five, there's already big distinctions between division one schools, even within the same conference, let alone the same division, whether you're talking about facilities, staffing support, um, all those sorts of thing. And in just other uh, infrastructure, you know, nutrition support, uh, weight room facilities, those kind of things. So there are some distinctions that already exist, but I do think it's really important that whatever these new evolving rules look like for name image likeness, they, they certainly will have a tie-in to recruiting because schools have the ability to help sort of support and give some wind to student-athletes' brand, if you will, and, and followers and exposure. Even at the point in time they're recruiting and, and signing, we're going through National Letter of Intent, um, you know, throughout the year, really. But once you go through signing periods and a, a prospect signs with a school, you know, you've got legions of fans, especially – you know, using our institution, University of Louisville, as an example. So um, it, it's interesting how that's going to factor into recruiting, h- how they try to manage that in a way to keep as, I would say, as level of a playing field, even though it's not completely level in all sectors or perspectives. Um, that That is really important. And I think that was on the sort of list of, of key considerations or benchmarks that this uh, working group that's looking at name image likeness with different representatives across college athletics had on their short list to help inform what a proposal would look like. But, you know, it's interesting what the recruiting conversations will transcend just talking about scholarship money. And then it went to cost of attendance money a few years ago when that was uh, legislated to be permissive as part of an athletic scholarship. And then now you're talking about your brand and your brand inflation and name image likeness and how that could factor into recruiting. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be the person to, to have the, the universal answer to, to that one, but it is a key issue. And I think that's important to make that part of the overall solution for name image likeness of student athletes. That's good, Matt. As we continue to talk about current compliance issues, one of the most recent emphasis by the NCAA is on mental health issues. Can you talk about what those are and what they mean for an athletics department? Absolutely. You know, and, and you've hit something that uh, is really uh, evolving because it's happening in society. It's happening across college campuses for all students and, and just in general uh, when you're looking at both young adults. But I think 
you know, our society has become more aware and more educated, which is always helpful to understanding an issue, especially one as complex as mental health, because that can manifest itself in a variety of different ways. Um, and, and within the athletics realm, speaking from a sport administrative capacity, which I work with a couple of our sports uh, in, in, in that role, you know, you see different situations and, and, and how we can support a student athlete. And this is 99% of the time something that never gets reported or in the news, just in terms of the support and health infrastructure, whether it's a physical injury or mental health. But we have certainly seen that more and more. And at, at Louisville, we certainly have, have, have shown our emphasis in that in how we are staffing it. We have a full-time, you know, certified mental health counselor available to our student athletes. That's in addition to what our university provides to all students and, and certainly a framework for referrals if we need to get a specialist from a psychiatry or psychology standpoint. So, um, you know, mental health has is, is really become a prominent sort of top five issue consistently year over year the last few years. Um, and I don't see that necessarily going away. And it, it, was, it was important a few years ago for the NCA to just kind of declog what the rules were related to med- medical support and just say what you need to provide for student athletes, health and well-being, including mental health, um, is something that should just be done locally, figure out what you need to do and, and provide that support. So, um, and that, and in part, you know, in your role, Pat, um, as associate AD over our health and sport performance uh, encompasses that and, and adding that position, which our athletic director, Vince Tyre, had, had added here in the last year and a half um, is, is uh, exemplary of, of how important that issue is to us. And speaking of another current issue um, that I know you are directly involved with, and that would be esports. I know that you're involved with a uh, campus committee. What is going on with esports? <laughs> that's that's a good question because that's speaking of uh, technology moving fast and furious. That I come from the Atari twenty six hundred world. Uh, <laughs> and I, we're thinking Miss Pac Man, Frogger, and Donkey Kong, and and uh, um, so it, it's fun. And, and certainly, I, the, the the video games and esports environment today is is mind boggling and. I know a few weeks back, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon, which was prime time for NFL games. And, and one of the networks that wasn't carrying an NFL game was carrying esports competition. And in one respect, that almost that blew my mind. And I watched it for a while, again, just continuing to learn. Um, but in my role locally uh, with our campus esports student club, uh, they're great. They're very self-sufficient. They're very open um, and, and are really um, – uh, emphasizing uh, inclusion on campus with anyone who might be interested. And, and that includes a variety of games uh, that they play Fortnite and league of legends and, and super smash brothers and all these sorts of things. And um, so it, it's really a fascinating world, how it fits on your campus, how it fits within the athletics e- ethos is a question that's kind of a school by school determination. And I think that's where our institution is right now. University of Louisville is, certainly looking at this and our president has this very much on her radar. President Ben Deputy, you know, has convened a group and said, we need to look at this and how this is engaging for our students. It certainly could be a recruiting tool for the campus, not just from an athletics department standpoint, there's some promotional and event type of opportunities to engage the community. So it does present some different types of opportunities. 
Um, and I think people are just trying to get their their arms around it, if you will, because it is is new. It's here. There's significant, um, you know, money in in the industry as well, because you have all these video game publishers who are putting on these events, and they're they're very global, so they draw a global audience. Um, and 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 so I've just been a small part of that on our campus, and certainly try to keep our athletics department sort of in the loop and in the discussion about how this may work at University of Louisville moving forward. Um, and it's also neat just to be around students who are really intelligent, competitive, um, but also see the, the, the broader sort of teamwork and, and fellowship that comes with just meetings when they get together and play these games. But uh, it, it's also a reflection that generational changes, you know, we have played video games in front of a TV with friends, you know, growing up but today, you can do it mobily and you can compete against people around the world. Um, and, and those kind of things. So, um, it's, it's been very educational. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to where we're going with it. Um, I still stick to the quarters in Miss Pac-Man machine, but, uh, with, with that said, it's, uh, it's, it's something that's been uh, cool to learn more about and, uh, we'll, we'll see where we go with it. And so the esports and mental health, those being kind of amongst the top issues or top um, topics each year, can you take us through what a couple of the other top issues are that you're dealing with, you know, from year to year? Sure, sure. You know, I think one uh, recent change probably within the past year and a half or so that's caught some headlines is just the transfer dynamics. And I think that's a that's a topic that hasn't fully been resolved and and maybe it never will be because I don't think you're ever going to get consensus across the country student athletes and coaches alike about what a transfer rule should look like in especially division 1 sports but with that said that's that's not made it less of an important issue and and one component of that process that has changed is the ability for student athletes to simply declare that they want to um, communicate with other schools to explore uh, transferring. I think that was the right thing to do. Um, it actually took a cue from Division Three, had somewhat of a similar framework by which student athletes can kind of self-declare that I want to at least explore transferring. So the first thing you need to do is have these, you know, above board on the table communications with other schools. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Um, and then obviously the bigger picture um, back end component of a transfer sequences whether someone can compete right away at the next school and that's the one that's probably going to continue to get more deliberation probably not full consensus and that can be a sport by sport issue as it is today like we don't have all sports in the same place when it comes to transferring so that's been an interesting one to watch um you know and, and i would say just more broadly i think one thing that gets lost in the shuffle with with compliance administrators and and, and just administrators in general at the athletics departments across the country are just the advocacy and support for student athletes. You know, we're filing waivers, we're helping, you know, maybe fund emergency trips to get home. We're doing a lot of things. And again, it's not about patting anyone on the back. It's more about doing the right thing. And I think a lot of that happens without people actually noticing, you know, what's going on that's right in the college athletics world. And, and that's not a new thing. I think, there's been more and more of that student athlete advocacy and support. And I've personally seen it many times over too many to count really um, at all my stops, whether that was when I worked at the NCAA, um, the OVC conference office or here at UofL. So 
that's one piece, especially for people thinking about a career in athletics administration. You know, it's it's not just having an awareness and, and a understanding of of the rules, but also kind of understanding how pro- the process works, how to how to identify issues in advance, and how to really lobby and, and advocate for student athletes. That's awesome, Matt. Um, can you quickly touch on the issues of sports wagering? Because I know that's that's a big one as well. Oh, yes. And then we'll that, wrap it up. For sure. That's a big one. Um, no, no doubt about it. And that is something that is starting to kind of circulate through the entire United States and, and really state by state are starting to uh, pass laws to legalize sports gambling. So the, the next question becomes, how does the college athletics picture fit into that? And current NCAA rules obviously don't allow student athletes, coaches, athletic administrators to gamble, not just on college sports, but on professional and other amateur sports that are also the same sports that the NCAA sponsors championships in. So whether it's the Super Bowl or, you know, Wimbledon or, you know, the Masters or any any type of sport, it doesn't necessarily need to be college sports. So, um, you know, that's a health and well-being um, issue as much as a revenue and other dynamic um, that from a state level, they see that as a revenue opportunity. So you can kind of understand where uh, legislatures are co- coming from to pass these types of laws. But but when that process gets in play, and we've done that here in, in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and, and certainly you've even uh, communicated with our uh, other schools like uh, UK, Northern Kentucky, Murray, and, and others, you know, how does this impact our student athletes and in, in, in communicating with uh, the politicians who are sponsoring these bills to really identify what are the most vulnerable or hot button components of passing a bill that would legalize sports gambling. Cause it's already here. We have teams already competing in States where it's legal. Um, and, and we know that we've also emphasized education. Um, and we've brought in, in fact, a student athlete from another institution, a former student athlete who was involved in point shaving. And we had them speak to a couple of our highest profile teams. And, and that was some of the most engaging and riveting uh, information and, and presentation that our student athletes have ever gotten that I've seen. Um, and, and they, they told us as much, they said that was one of the best, um, and certainly made them aware. We talk about awareness. Um, so the educational piece, but also trying to make sure we steer away from prop betting for college sports, I think would make sense. We've discussed that as an institution, the more singular the bet becomes, the more dangerous it is to have corruption and, and, place student athletes, coaches, and others in, in, in a spot that we don't want them because it's, it's only going to invite um, problems um, getting involved in that type of thing. So um, definitely a hot topic. And it doesn't look like the NCAA is going to change its rules, uh, certainly on that. And you can understand why they'd want to uh, continue prohibiting sports gambling within the, the NCAA environment. Um, so we're just trying to balance those sort of NCAA world and then the, uh, the state laws that are changing in front of us. Matt, it's been a pleasure. I know that we could have gone an hour and I think what we'll do do is bring you on again uh, later in the year if you're up to that, because I, I have questions written down that we have not gotten to. And I know Mac does as well. Yes. Lots of questions. <laughs> lots of questions. <laughs> I you would were... be more than happy to come back. This has been a lot of fun. We can talk about the Green Bay Packers that Pat <laughs> Ivy was once wearing their uniform. There's all sorts of topics. Oh, uh, man. Come on. Now it's time to end the show. All right. <laughs> Matt, where can I'm not going to 
send people directly to you, but I know you have um, some social media compliance wise and what resources can you point our listeners to, to receive answers to their questions? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, my email at University of Louisville Athletics is Matt, M-A-T-T at gocards.com. Again, Matt, M-A-T-T at gocards.com. We also have um, our cards compliance Twitter, which is at cards, C-A-R-D-S, compliance, C-O-M-P-L-I-A-N-C, all one word. Um, So you can follow us there. And then I have my individual Twitter account, Matt Banker, M-A-T-T-B-A-N-K-E-R 2727, all one word with a 27 at the end. So any of those spots you can find me at and uh, yeah, happy to answer any questions or communicate with any of your followers offline. We appreciate you, Matt. Thank you and have a great night. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Sorinex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.